This is the Manips and Sips podcast show, featuring two fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic and sports physical therapists. Join us as we talk all things physical therapy, manual therapy, performance, business, education, research, and of course, Sips. Hey everyone, this is the Manips and Sips podcast show featuring me, I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd, my usual partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. And today we have a very, very special guest, Dr. Maynard Enriquez, um, who's a fellow in training, who's did some hours with Brandon and uh, owns a couple of clinics out in Hawaii. So uh, if I say aloha, right, uh, to Maynard over there, who's up extra early for us. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about mindfulness um, in, the, in the clinic and, and life and such and so forth. But before I get too much into it, how's it going, guys? Going well. Good, good. Thanks for the intro, uh, Jer, and um, I'll, I'll add to the intro uh, a little bit to Maynard, give a little background. Uh, Maynard is a fellow fellow at Regis uh, University. It's where I did my fellowship training. Uh, I met Maynard on my test out day. Uh, we got to talk briefly um, that day. For me, it was a long travel day and exhausted, so we actually didn't get to spend too much time, though. Though Maynard was trying to talk to me, I was, I was shot by the end of the day. Uh, but we got to, you know, Maynard was uh, kind enough to reach out to me um, to try and do his mentorship hours, which we got a full, um, you know, two weeks and then some because he came a little early and t- hopped in on our spinal manipulation course, which was awesome to have him here. And I guess one of his other main reasons for coming uh, this far east uh, was he is ha- part of the APTA Centennial program and he... Um, you know, was invited out to New York City to be a part of that and to present and speak on that. So uh, with that, I will pass it off uh, to Maynard uh, so he can kind of fill everybody in a little bit. And he's up real early. He's up for 6.30 a.m. over over his time. Uh, so Maynard, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time out to talk about this topic, which is uh, near and dear to uh, to your heart and your practice. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. And thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me over here. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist for nearly 20, 21 years. Awesome. And I've met about 13 or 14 years of that in private practice. I've served as director at different places. So I've kind of gone through the ranks. I've pretty much worked in every facet of physical therapy. And now I'm on Kauai running a private practice over here, a couple of private practices, Hawaii Sports and Balance Center. We have about a staff of 17, so still kind of smallish, but perhaps big for the, the island. And I'm excited to talk about mindfulness today. Awesome. Um, before, before we get into the actual uh, meat and potatoes of the show, let's not forget our, our drinks. Uh, if we can go around uh, and we'll talk about what we have. Jay, you want to uh, take us out, lead the, uh, lead the way for us? Uh, so being that it is the eve of Christmas Eve and, um, I'm drinking a, or will be drinking a Christmas IPA. Uh, I got this, um, you know, Christmas party, I got this 24, uh, pack of, uh, Christmas variety beers. And this was, uh, this is one of them. And, you know, shout out to my boy, my dog goose for goose Island, you know, so I haven't had it yet. So no pre-rankings, uh, I'm drinking out my love city brewing, you know, loves in there. It's the holidays. Uh, which is in Philly, great brewery, and uh, I will give my rating as soon as I uh, wet the palate there. 
always uh, interested to see what Jeremy's uh, rankings are. He's been he's been very generous of late. Let's see if he's in the holiday spirit and giving mood, and, and see if he gives a. This is a holiday beer here. I mean, okay. technically shares the name of my dog. So does I mean, that get elevated status just off the rip? Being a, it's a Christmas you know. beer. Though this show is not going to post till probably like April, but yeah. Yes, yeah. So, but that's all right. And I, and I hear you've been working on that pour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first good, couple man. pours are pretty bad here. It was, you know, it's going with my clinical skill level. My pours are getting better. My 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 ability to treat's getting better. Um, so every once in a while, if again, if you see me go off thing down here, it's usually because I'm I spilled something, but. good um you can smell it more than it like taste the holiday they must be I, they ain't putting uh like cinnamon descriptors on here just kind of sad it's just festively smooth and it smells like christmas in a cup but um I, i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it 7.5 you know i'm not I'm like, trying to be grinchy it's a good beer i like <laughs> i love goose island um but um smells wonderful so for smell uh, yeah, what's the smell. Okay, so smell no, nine. nine. Definitely a nine. Taste is a seven point five. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. I guess if you average that out, um, yeah. 8.5, But yeah. um, it's growing. I mean, again, I'm not getting away from IPAs as much, uh, but this is definitely different. It's not like your classic just taste of a standard IPA. So not bad. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Minard's got a good one. Well, we'll save his best for last there. Um, I'll, I'll go uh, a traditional second. I have a Jefferson's Ocean, which is a uh, small batch uh, bourbon whiskey here. Ooh. A patient of, uh, of mine brought it in as a, as a holiday gift for me. Knows uh, I like the, uh, the bourbon. So this one has an interesting story. This one is, um, I guess, goes and touches across every ocean as it's kind of being made and um i guess what's the uh the correct term there um i don't even know but whatever as as it's aging the aging process i guess so it touches all all the oceans especially the the warmer ones the caribbean ones where it's hotter uh they have a little temperature thing in here where it says the temperatures range from 93 to 124 um and all the humidity and everything kind of gets the uh the the notes and oats and all the flavors kind of marinating a little a little differently. So uh, I first had it actually one of Maynard's last days uh, while he was mentoring. Uh, Maynard is a uh, whiskey and bourbon uh, gentleman as well. So we got to crack it open there. It's very smooth. I have it in our Pursuit PT um, you know low ball glass here that was created for our grand opening. Uh, so we have uh, the Pursuit PT glass there, nice and fancy. And uh, Maynard's got a nice special one. It looks good. What, what do you have? What are you sipping on today or this morning? Okay, so today, today I brought some Kolova rum. And this is special reserve Kolova rum where they infuse it with actually Kauai coffee. Awesome. So I thought that was fitting being from Kauai and, and also fitting to be uh, your guest for two weeks while I did my mentoring over there and uh, helped. Uh, with some collaborative education. Uh, so I wanted to bring something, a little piece of koi on your show today. Appreciate it. Um, so and those, uh, those beans made on good. the island? Yeah, so this is made on the island. Uh, they, they actually have a, 
an old sugar mill that's now not working, but they turned it into a, a, a manufacturing place for rum. And then we also have some coffee farms here on Kauai. And from what I heard, actually, we have the largest coffee farm as far as square footage in America. Wow. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So there's coffee farms on the big island, but and they you might you guys might have heard of Kona Coffee. But we also have our version, which is Kauai Coffee. So that's what I'm having this morning. So it's got a nice dark color and since it's 6 30 i'm having it with some hot cocoa there you go coffee cocoa rum sounds like a great mix yeah maynard uh, how far is kona brewing from you oh kona brewing uh, so that's the furthest island from us so that's about about an hour flight oh not terrible i guess and there's some there's some local breweries over here too that that i'll take you guys to if you guys ever get out here oh oh it's gonna happen 20, we're gonna have Aloha. Maynard, That's right. let, let's let's plant the seed now for everybody. Uh, Maynard is gonna be putting together, and you know we're gonna be going out to teach at some point in I don't know a year or two. Manipaloha, um, what's the what's the vision? You know, if you go into details, but what what are we thinking, Maynard? Well, I mean, I think that kind of leads into. I think it's the the we should know why I even came up with that idea. So yeah, uh, this year. As part of why I was in New York is because I got picked as a Centennial Scholar for the APTA. So for those of you guys that don't know what the APTA Centennial Scholars Program is, basically our APTA turned 100 years old in 2020. So to commemorate our 100th year, the APTA assembled a cadre of 100 physical therapists handpicked from each state. And then a few from our specialty section, so orthopedics, neurology, women's health, pediatrics, and so forth, uh, to form basically a hundred physical therapists that'll be leaders in our profession for the next three or four years. And so basically, I'm the guy that got picked for Hawaii, and that's how I ended up with Brandon, because we had our meetings in New York. And so I figure at the same time I was in New York, I'd, I'd go and check out Brandon and Jeremy and what they got going on over there. So as part of this Centennial Scholars Program, I had to come up with basically a project or a capstone project to try to address membership, advocacy for our profession, and also improving educational opportunities for Hawaii. And that's when I came up with that idea of Manipaloha which is basically a manipulation and manual therapy symposium, something of a larger scale and something that we can bring over here to Hawaii and hopefully invite everyone else from the mainland to partake in. Awesome. I mean, the name is uh, perfect. Hopefully if nothing else, the name gets you out there, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that we're going to be in Hawaii. Exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I'll plan the brewery experiences, you know, let's, let's, let's get this on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be great. Nighttime drinks. Yeah. I think we're going to need some good drinks, maybe some, some Kona beer, some Koi beer. And there's a lot of eco type of adventures over here. So it'd be nice to mix in some, some fun with some learning. And why is it just a great place? It's basically like I said, it's about 70 to 80 degrees year round. It's a little rainy right now. But 
the weather's pretty nice and most people don't mind coming here. So, yeah, just, just for a little context, we, we got on the show and Maynard was saying how it's cold and I asked him a temperature and he's like, it's like 70 degrees out. And uh, <laughs> just letting you guys know, it's uh, in New Jersey, like low 30s right now. So yeah. I'll take that 70 any day, any day, <laughs> any day of the week. week. Especially yeah, every day. Yeah, that, that 70 degrees is really cold, though, man. Yeah. You know, with, yeah. the humidity, with the humidity, it probably feels about 65. So Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll double our Still shorts weather. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so with that, and uh, I, I know Menard's got to start his day, so we'll jump into the, the show. But, you know, in, in the two weeks, um, you know, and while – the, the, the great thing about, you know, doing residency, especially a fellowship, is the mentorship. And if it goes beyond the clinical stuff, you know, we, we had so much time where we were just able to talk and talk about life, clinic, business, ownership, mentorship, just, you know, family, things like that. And I think that's where the, the, the magic really happens because you just get a different perspective on, you know, how somebody else thinks, you know, and what the world is. Uh, but you know, within that, you know, and, and this aspect or this topic of mindfulness really goes, uh, to, to both personal and clinic life. I'm not there yet. Um, uh, I'll speak for Jeremy. I don't know. I don't know where you are in this journey, Jer. We're, we're just not there yet, but, um, you know, something that I was able to learn and I was self-reflected from, um, was, um, Maynard's. Uh, I guess, passion and viewpoint and, and willingness to be able to uh, not only talk about this topic and educate, but how well he was able to educate a lot of the patients that he worked with. And uh, it was definitely a, a different message and different voice. And, and the patients that, you know, we see at my clinic definitely appreciated it. And, you know, they raved about him. And, you know, it's only been a couple of weeks since, it, not even a couple of weeks since he left, only a week since he left. And they're, they're asking about him um, you know, you really made an impact in such a short time with them. Uh, and I know you have your own story and if you want to, you know, share whatever portions of that, uh, story with you, but if you can, you know, just pass on your personal story and then your evolution and fellowship and into, uh, your own clinical practice, how you integrate, uh, this topic, uh, I think would be great. It's definitely underutilized in the physical therapy profession. Yeah. Well, so I, I entered fellowship. And I guess I did it kind of in reverse. I think most people will graduate from PT school and then perhaps go into residency and get a little bit more structured approach to learning. And then perhaps from residency, maybe practice for a bit and go right into fellowship. And there's definitely some advantages to that. But I guess the way that I kind of went through my career, I worked the first five years trying to just garner really good experience working at some of the best places in Southern California, spending about a year, a year and a half, just being a sponge and, and learning from some of the best people we had down there. And so I did that for five years, really in preparation for starting my own private practice, because I knew at least for, for myself, if I was going to open up a private practice, I'm most likely going to have to be able to handle whatever comes through the door without having without having the luxury to pick just to stay in business basically mm. so i did that for five years and then and then i moved over to Kauai and practiced three more years at the hospital over here and then finally when i when i saw Kauai was a lovely place and it was near and dear to my heart uh, i 
I actually went to Kauai uh, during my graduation and after my graduation, I mean, and, and my parents bought me a trip to, to go to Kauai and, and fell in love with it. And I actually ended up applying for a job over here, but they didn't have any openings at that time. But I think that was perhaps uh, God's path for me to do some other stuff before, before finally moving back like five years later. And after that, start, started my private practice after working here for two or three years. And then once I got into private practice, it's just bang, bang, bang. It's just one thing after the other and, and just got too busy. And, and Kauai being not only geographically far from the mainland, it's also really far. As, it's really far in terms of opportunities for continuing education. There, there's not a lot of, there's some, there's some fair to good uh, continuing education courses you can have here, but it's mo more, more, of, more often it's the same kind of people coming every year offering the same course. So mm. uh, for me, I went through almost 17, 18 years before I finally said, Hey, you know what? I think now that the, the business is doing good, it's, it's running a bit more autonomously, but for those of you thinking about starting business, it's never fully autonomous, I think, <laughs> but that's what I figured. Hey, let's, why don't we, why don't I join a fellowship and, and do something a bit more structured and structured learning approach to manual therapy. And so I decided to uh, apply to a few fellowships, got in and decided on the very prestigious and awesome program that they have at Regis university in, in Colorado. So shout out to those guys. They really changed my life, but getting into the mindfulness, my, I didn't know what mindfulness was before fellowship. So I actually learned about it from one of my mentors and one of the instructors in there, Paul Minkin, who you guys, if you don't know him, look him up. He's got some great stuff and he's uh, definitely one of our leaders in our profession. You guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely Absolutely. mover and shaker has, has done tons for this profession. And mm -hmm. uh, like you, well, uh, I guess just before I went to fellowship, I, uh, I was at an AM conference, which is basically a congregation, a bunch of fellows. And Paul Minkin was a keynote one year. I believe it was Utah. And he did his, his speech on mindfulness. And that was that was like an eye opener for me, um, you know, and something I, I took back with me. And then I think, you know, as, as time goes on, some of that fades because, you know, I'm not actively integrating that as much. But um, yeah, continue on to, to your experience. But just testament to Paul. Yeah. So, yeah, he I mean, he talked about mindfulness and I had never heard about it. And so, so probably a lot of you know about mindfulness. I think it's been on the radar now in our, in our profession. Still, when we look at it, not a whole lot of research, though, in terms of physical therapy and mindfulness specifically. Um, mindfulness was, for those of you that don't know, was, was first coined by Dr. Kabat-Zinn back in the 80s, actually. And so they've had mindfulness in terms of our other doctoring colleagues. So the surgeons and doctors, they've actually been kind of utilizing this. And I think there's more robust research on some of the MDs work at mindfulness and trying to integrate that into their patients. And I'm, I'm glad to really see us starting to do that. But when Paul Mitkin talked about mindfulness, that's really my first introduction to it. And so even though my, my initial 
um, impetus for trying to join the fellowship was to get some structured learning. When he started to talk about mindfulness and where he was when he went into fellowship himself and how really even though this guy is a leader and, and he's getting into fellowship, he was he hinted that he was almost kind of burned out. And then, so that really resonated with me because after 17 years, yes, I had these, I had these, this purpose of trying to elevate my, my game and my clinical practice. And, but that really resonated with me. He said, you know what? I was almost kind of really burned out. And so I think to a deeper level, I was kind of there. So when he started to do his mindfulness talk and really started to hit me and I started to think about where I was in life, and things going on in my life, I started to notice that I was basically road rage waiting to happen. And for me, I'm like, you know, if you think of, you think of being on Hawaii and it's all happy and it's, it's really, it's, it's a really easy life. The weather's always good. And there's not any weather involved psychological issues that you should have, but you're still kind of on a rock and you're on an island and, and running the practice. I didn't realize how actually stressed I was deep inside until someone else was willing to admit that in a, in, in front of a class of 30 fellows. And I, I really respected that for, for him to be able to um, get his emotional armor off and for someone that's, you see Paul Minkin, he's a big teddy bear. And so in his pictures, you can't tell, but he's actually about, what is he about? Six, three, six, four. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like a grizzly bear until you start talking to him. Then he's uh, he's that teddy bear. But yeah, yeah genuine yeah. guy, nice guy. But I mean, he he's an intimidating uh, figure. And I think I talked about in our episode of our most awkward moments in the clinic. It wasn't the clinic. It was a, one of the, I think it was the first time I met Paul. Like he came and just said hi to me, and I was like, uh, and I just like shit my pants and walked away basically because <laughs> I didn't know what to say to the guy. Now you take his you know you know uh, stature and then as well as you know, his, uh, his, I guess, how accomplished he is. Yeah. And at least for me, it was intimidating. Yeah. Well, when I saw his picture, I was thinking Russian mafia, I better do good in this uh, chorus. <laughs> yeah. Especially but, the, old, the old pictures. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so his talk, and I think he did a version, and like you said, the version of it in AOMT. And so he went through uh, sharing some of his experience and it really, really mirrored some of the things I was going through and, and some of the things that were kind of affecting me in my life. And we went through a really, really fast mindfulness exercise in the middle of the dirt during that course. And so we had all the fellows uh, doing the raisin exercise, actually. I could always give you a copy uh, of that uh, yeah, for sure. some of your viewers if something they, they can maybe attach on to the podcast. But the results of that was were really powerful for not just myself, but everyone in, in class and everyone, I think it, it was, it was funny that he would actually, this was his first lecture during that, that week. Yeah. And for us to be in a orthopedic manual therapy fellowship mm -hmm. and for him to start with something for me at the time was really abstract and far from being manual therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, I really saw that as something of maybe I'm going to give, I'm going to really give this a chance. I've had my biases in the past, especially on Kauai. Kauai is sort of, Kauai is known for having healers. I don't know if you guys have that down those parts, but basically here, 
they have healers that can cure cancer from everything to <laughs> it's kind of these all these natural healing experts right and so for me i had always had kind of a bias and i had, I had a bias towards i had I'm all, i'd always had a preference for really allopathic medicine and the things that we're we're doing so the mindfulness idea was very very foreign to me and it really took a lot of being able to try it and accept it and it's really in trying it that I was convinced that this thing is something that I needed to incorporate in my practice yeah awesome I mean you know we, we've talked about it before and you know Jeremy maybe could you bring um some insight to to your your fellowship or your experience I know we shared temple together uh at residency but you know I guess on a smaller scale, you know, I've always said I want to do residency so I could manip very well. And, you know, that was, pro that was probably the least important thing I learned. It definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things. It gave me perspective. Uh, same thing with fellowship, you know, uh, you go there for MSK type orthopedic thing and you, you come out, you know, as a leader, more passionate, you get to hear other people's stories. You, you, you get to expand upon just your narrow point of view of, life let alone treating mm -hmm. uh which is really the big eye-opener for something like these programs and you know a lot of people will, will bash you know ad advanced training or manual therapy certs and things like that and it's like it, you know if that's your view of it you're, you're missing the boat mm -hmm. uh you know you get so much other growth from just being around other like-minded people but who are also have different minds and perspectives I don't know if you have, uh, Jer and then Jeremy did his, his fellowship at more of a sports, uh, clinic. I, I don't know your experience. I know you had people from all over the country as well, coming uh, together on weekends too, Jer. Yeah. Um, so it was a really good opportunity at, um, Institute for Athlete Regeneration. Uh, we talked about some components, especially more into the sports psychology, um, obviously being so athlete driven, um, and how, you know, it, it challenges your beliefs of like, I even seen some posts like, oh, in regards to manual therapy, manual therapy works in the short term on people that already get better. And, you know, you know, athletes are people are just naturally going to get better because they're young, healthy, such and so forth. But really like diving into their um, their stressors, you know, not making the team pressure from parents, um, the aesthetics in regards to um, to their sport, especially female athletes and that sort of stuff. So we went into a lot of that. Uh, which was which was good because again most people perceive like everything that you're getting in a you know orthopedic manual physical therapy fellowship or residency is just that just you know techniques and you know manual therapy and that's it but to go into into the depths of like psychology I think I think that's where a lot of our worth is and um, I was lucky to be exposed to it as a student um, shout out to uh, the great Dr. Mary Lou Galantino who would throw in mindfulness sessions in the middle of her lecture. Like she'd be stopping borderline mid sentence and be like, all right, everybody, like, you know, take a minute, put your head down, start doing some meditation. She made us do yoga in the middle of class once, uh, came around, gave everyone like, you know, uh, upper trap massages. That was the type of person that she was. And uh, we were a very holistic program. And I remember just kind of brushing that off. Like I was, I, I was, you know, I wanted to be a mechanic. I want to get in there, fix things. Um, and the wiser and wiser I got, uh, the more I realized how important that is. And actually, not many people know it, but Trifecta myself is actually involved in a research study with our 
um, school at Rowan um, on mindfulness of the injured athlete. So we're doing actually some studies on this to try and quantify it. Um, it was originally done with athletic training and athletic training staff. And then I put my own spin on it of, you know, I want to see how it does after doing a 30 second mindfulness thing. Can it change things like pain pressure threshold range of motion, that sort of stuff using that as my test retest. Um, so kind of blending both worlds together. Um, cause I think that's where we need to go. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's funny. Interesting that you'd mentioned the high school athletes that, that you have, and there's really, um, in, there's a nice, well done article on mindfulness interventions with high school and college athletes. And it really showed not just an improvement in attitude and motivation, but also reduction in injuries. Mm. And there's been in, in looking at a few more recent articles in mindfulness. There's one by Westenberg in 2018, and this one's actually kind of cool. Um, what they did was a brief mindfulness exercise and then improved outcomes in patients with upper extremity pathologies. And so the, the, the 60 minute exercise is actually on the internet. It's free. It's www.pixelthoughts.co. So P I x-e-l-t-h-o-u-g-h-t-s dot c-o and so what they did was they they put these patients through this 60 second um training and improved all the outcomes across the board including pain including some of their um self-perceived outcomes self-perceived pain outcomes and it was is really really eye-opening Awesome. And we'll get that link for, for everybody as well. And I know we're we probably got about 10 minutes here left uh, before Maynard has to go attend to his busy, uh, busy clinic. So Maynard, can you just um, really just, you know, try and in a nutshell, go over some key points, maybe that you try and get across uh, to people. I know one thing that I've integrated right away is the word bombing. Is that correct? Um, yeah. Terminology. Yeah. And then a couple, maybe I think you had two other kind of key points that uh, at least you, while you were with me, you, you kind of emphasized to some, some patients and I've been trying to, you know, continue that and carry that on, but um, you're, you're better at it than I am. So if you can share, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, and so for, for those of you who don't know, the, the mindfulness is really the, the definition of my mindfulness is being in the present, but being the present without judgment. And then, so when we're thinking about mindfulness, we, we have, we're, they always say that when you're in, you're in the, when you think about the past, you're going to be very angry. And if you're always thinking about the future, you're going to be very anxious. Yeah. But when you're in your present, then you're going to be at peace. So it's really trying to find it. And it's not to say that we shouldn't pay homage to those things that happened to us in the past. And it doesn't mean that we need to be a recluse and forget about the future and just not go to work and just stay home all day. <laughs> um, it just means that we need to accept and acknowledge those things acknowledge our past acknowledge our future but jump back into the present because the present really is the only place and the only time that we can do anything about it and so i think with all the emphasis on psychosocial things so catastrophization um fear avoidant behavior it's really it's sometimes it's us. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's us paying attention to those things, but never really jumping back into 
to our presence. So I think as far as mindfulness and really pitching it to our patients, uh, I found the use for this really because I think partly because of the setting I'm in. So our set, our, my setting is very different from what I saw when I was in New Jersey and New York for a couple of weeks. Our setting is very rural health. So that means, especially on Kauai, like I said, everyone wants to move to Kauai. So hopefully none of my doctoring um, colleagues will listen to this podcast. But basically what ends up happening is you have some poor doctors moving to the island and kind of retiring and staying here and never updating their skills. So so the medical system over here really leads much to be desired. But from a physical therapy perspective, what that does is it allows the physical therapist to really get involved in a primary care approach. And so when we're, when we're looking at a patient from the primary care lens, we really need to look at that person, like Jeremy said, holistically. And that means looking at biomechanical, biological, psychosocial, doing the things that we normally do, what Brandon likes to call the hard skills, but also perhaps look at working on our soft skills and, and listening to the patient, finding out not just what they're, what's going on with them with a the systems approach, what other comorbidities that, that they might have that are not addressed, but also looking at that psychological component. So I remember Tim Flynn said, there's a, there's a, there's a value in itself in doing a thorough medical examination. And so for that medical examination, we all know what the medical system is going through right now. And it's basically where doctors themselves and even us are having to see patients for a shorter amount of time. And I don't really, I don't care how great you are. If you only have 10 minutes to see someone, you're probably not gonna be able to do a very good job. So. The nice part, though, is that as physical therapists, we do have 30 minutes. We do have 45 minutes. And if it's at the end of the day, you might even stretch it out to an hour, although I'll, I'll definitely work on that time management. <laughs> but you, there's, we, we get that opportunity to be able to get to know this, this patient. We get that opportunity to really talk to them about some of their comorbidities that they need to address, maybe their their weight gain, their hypertension, their hyperlipidemia that they have, and also these psychological things that, that, that might be ruminating and sensitizing their system. So if we look at it through the lens of, let's say, an Adrian Lowe and, and the pain sciences, really, we know that pain and your experience, whether it be whatever symptom it is, whether it be pain, dizziness, balance issues, it's all really a combination of everything that's sensitizing us in our, in our body. And so when I look at it, I always describe it as that itch. So when you have that itch in your back and then I have my wife scratch it and I'm like, oh, okay, go up, go up. And then, no, 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 go down, go down and go to the right, go, go to the left. And it's really, when we think about it, it's not that we had one itch. It's like you had multiple itches, but your perception of it is just that one spot until you clear out that one spot. And then that brings to light another spot that you need to address. And then for me, it was really, for a while, it's like, okay, well, I did, and, and for me, I come from a NIOPT training, so it's very, very biomechanical. And so once I did all that, and, I, and, and a lot of our patients here, my patient population, we have quite a few that have um, really chronic pain issues. So once I did everything that we normally do within our 
our compass of physical therapy treatment. Then I started to see, well, there's this patient is only getting this, this much better. And so it's really time to address some of those things with the psychosocial issues and mindfulness has for me been a, a good tool. So I have a few things that I, that I like to use for mindfulness. Uh, the first one's just basically a word bomb than what Brandon said. And so word bomb really is just the way that we teach it and the way that um, Paul Minkin taught me is that really just get a piece of paper and you might need two or three when you first start. And you just basically write down all the thoughts in your head. And it might be, and when we have thoughts, it's, it's in fragments. So it might be blue sky, brown carpet. I love my wife. I hate my wife. I, I hate my job. I love my job. Whatever it is, just write it down. And then what you're going to find is you keep writing and you keep writing. And eventually you're going to run into a moment when you don't have anything else to write. And then basically you get that piece of paper. Once you achieve that, basically that mental fatigue or that mental exhaustion where you don't have anything else to write, then you get that piece of paper. Or if you're a texter, if you're a typer, you can even just open up a note or a note. And then once you're done typing in all your stuff, you just press delete or you burn that piece of paper, you throw it away. It's nothing for anyone else to look at. It's just for you to be able to acknowledge all your thoughts, jump back into your present, move to the next thought, move to the next thought. And I really like this exercise because everyone has their notion of what meditation should be. And so for some, it might be actually meditating, might be doing yoga. For others, it might be weightlifting at 6 a.m. in the morning for with his staff. So for some, it might be running. And for a lot of my patients, it's fired. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'll let me back there to, to try to make those. Don't worry. So for those who don't know, uh, Dr. Cruz over there, he works out nearly every morning at 6 a.m. So um, really, really good uh, model, not just for our profession, but for our own well-being. It doesn't show but, but Yeah. <laughs> That's how you nice do 10 uh, 315 deadlifts and shout me out on it on uh, social media. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. That's a challenge. That was, that was a challenge. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a bar. I'm gonna get some plates here at our at our other clinic over here. And you guys watch. I'll be I'll be in on that yes. sometime in 2022. Actually, I, I talked to one of the schools here. So our other clinic, we have a, a whole bunch of circuit equipment. So we're actually gonna donate that to to the local school over here, and then and then do more of a functional type of. Uh, workspace similar to what you uh you you two have over there so i'm, I'm glad yeah. we're able to to you know uh i guess ha have an impact uh, you know where, where you're i mean man has been texting me since he stopped um and you know reinvigorated you know to say the least and you know wanting to implement you know different different aspects into what he's yeah. already doing um and clearly he's a, a successful business owner you've been open 13 years you know, a lot of yeah. people feel like, you know, you know, what do I need to change? E even, you know, commending uh, Maynard and, and others in our program as well that are that have been practicing 10, 15, 20, 30 years and, uh, you know, going back, you know, that's mindfulness in itself. That's awareness in itself yeah. of, hey, let me let me put myself out there and try to become better 
and you know, you go in there thinking one thing and then you get a, you know, a whole host of other skills or, um, you know, just positive experiences by, by doing this type of program. So, you know, kudos to, to Menard and, mm-hmm. you know, even, you know, in our, our conversation and I'm like, dude, I'm, you know, what, 13 years younger. And I'm like, you know, I felt weird trying to mentor you. I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you're my elder, you're my senior. Um, why am I telling you stuff? Like it, it's a respect level thing. Um, so, you know, kudos to Maynard to, to, he just took it all in. He kept asking questions, kept asking questions. There was a point I was like, are you going to say anything? Like, I feel like I'm just talking here and just rambling on, you know, type of deal. So, um, you know, all, kudos to Maynard for, for yeah, that. And, and others awesome. too. I know other people are doing it as well. Um, as, as we wrap up here. So I just wanted yeah. to say that, but I know you you said you're revamping your clinic. Not, not easy, very, you know, that you could do a lot of other stuff with that money, pay your staff, pay yourself, you know, buy a luxury or something and, and you're reinvesting it into um, your business, your company to hopefully mm-hmm. make it better for not only yourself, but your staff and the people you serve. Yeah. Well, change is good. And, and, you know, we're always scared of change, but, uh, change is good and, and keep things refreshed and renewed. And, and so sometimes incorporating mindfulness might be something new to, to some of you out there. It's, uh, I would say that it's something that you need to really be able to spend some time with the, with the patients. It's not something that we can definitely give prescriptively because I think it can turn a lot of people off. But I mm-hmm. think if you're, it, it takes some time to, and I think I think we're out seeing one of the patients and down there and, and really with, with the way that the appointments are structured, let's say with this person, it, it took a little bit longer for me to find that, that light switch that I can start to, to start to pitch it because we can't give this prescriptively. It's very much pragmatic and, and knowing social things about this person, their, their social lifestyle, their social environment. Um, trying to figure out what for that patient, what might be a trigger for them, for you to be able to start to tell them. But I think the other thing that helps me kind of sell or pitch the mindfulness thing is, is also taking off some of your emotional armor, mm-hmm. you know, letting, if the patient knows that, yeah, you're, you, you had some tough times at, for them. And I, I'm very straight up. I, I tell them there's been times when I've had some arguments with my wife and, and the thoughts that were going through my head as we're having these arguments are ones that I didn't think I should have. And so at that point, I knew there was something wrong and, and it was so, so powerful being able to, to unload using the mindfulness exercises and get really who I feel myself is and get myself back. And so you need to, sometimes we need to, to leave ourselves vulnerable, just like with any relationships, our, our, our relationship with our patient is not any different than our relationships with each other. And it's when you put yourself vulnerable that you really give that person some power to, to be able to be closer to you. And so we need to do that. And that's something that's worked for me to be able to sell that. I'm very upfront with some of those things and some of the things that have gone through with me. And that really resonates with patients when when they think about giving mindfulness a chance. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So the body scan, I think that's worked good. Body scans good to do before you do whatever it is that you do for, for meditation, whether that's church or surfing or whatnot. So that's one that I always like to get as a good starting exercise. 
Awesome. And it's, uh, I know we're running over time here. So unless you got anything else to say, I kind of just want to wrap it up. Um, you know, a lot of this, you know, like you said, it, it's, you know, it's not dogmatic. Um, we can't go in over every little detail, you know, in a, in a short uh, little set, you know, podcast like this, but being aware uh, as a clinician, and hopefully now you can maybe take a step back and, hey, the traditional PT is not working. Um, and you think trying to learn a cervical manip is hard. I think this is even harder to be able to effectively communicate. And now you're dealing with emotions and people's beliefs and belief systems. I mean, that, that's a real challenge as well, mm -hmm. that it takes time to, to do this and do this correctly or effectively. Yep. Um, so you will fail. Yeah, you will fail. We've had our pain science education uh, podcast on this. Uh, hopefully this adds to that. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that. But um, at least, you know, let this be at least uh, opening the doorway to mm -hmm. something else in your clinical practice. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Jeremy, I, I don't know if you have anything you want to add in before we close up. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, it's just something that, you know, you got to be open with. Uh, you may not hit the nail on the head there is, you know, you have to be vulnerable yourself. If you're holding on to these sort of things, patients feel that they, I don't know how, but they'll feel it. So if you're not being open and honest with them, they won't be, they won't be able to express themselves to you. They'll keep their, you know, yellow flags, you know, orange flags, you know, their, their stressors to themselves. But once you start opening up, um, they're going to spit it right back. And that's, that's when the real magic happens. I know I had a student recently and all her most challenging students, I'm not challenging patients we're all individuals she didn't get to that level with. And as soon as she did, as soon as we like, kind of coached her in, they all turned the corner. So, you know, just be open to it. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the body scanning and mapping. So, you know, there's some great resources on that online for everybody, but definitely check it out. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Well, Man, thanks, any any parting words coming. before you, you run off for your day? Thanks for staying in extra five minutes. I mean, we went over. Yeah, well, thanks. Thank you guys for, for having me on. And hopefully that that string that strums uh, someone's string here that's listening. So uh, if anything, uh, thank you guys again for letting me do this. My first time doing a podcast. So this is awesome. Awesome. We uh, we hope and plan to have you back on. We're going to set up Minipalooza or I'm sorry, Minipaloha. Minipalooza was EIMs. I don't want to get like a copyright hit or anything like that. But we're going to set up Minipaloha. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, I'm look. I'm looking forward to, to oh, yeah. checking out the island and visiting uh, your neck of the woods there, man. So thank you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry, yeah, Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Uh, next one. Yeah. Happy New Year. Bro. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Nips and Sips. If you liked what you listened to, please follow and subscribe to us on all major social media and podcast platforms. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. Interested in one of our courses? Go to www.iosmt.com. Interested in business and private practice mentorship and advice? Visit us at therehabcoaches.com. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or recommendations, whether that be clinical or SIPs. At Manips and SIPs at The Decent Doctor, and at Think Like a Fellow. Thanks for tuning in, and cheers, everyone.